Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and these beers are top secret. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy by John Lucare. Maybe. Uh, and someone's <laughs> starting with a beer. This is Clouded Perceptions by Galaxy Brewing Company. That's a new one. Yeah, it is a new one. Clouder Perceptions is a juicy and hazy IPA with generous amounts of citra and mosaic hops. This beer transcends space and time to elevate your clouded experience. 6.2% alcohol. Careful, dude. That might have acid in it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it didn't not transcend as, space and time. You no, know, it didn't. <laughs> nor did it transcend the juicy, hazy IPAs of back in other half but you know it's all right nate you just settle that to the lamp because you are <laughs> tripping balls right now where am i binghamton <laughs> new york oh so we're reading tinker taylor soldier spy which is a 1974 novel which is considered really good and like most times we read a book that's considered really good we have other thoughts but we're reading it because john le carre I think I'm saying that right. We, we just spent like s- several minutes trying to figure that out. He should have stuck with his real fucking name, David Cornwell. Not making that up. There are not... How well more, does he corn? <laughs> there are not memes much more British than that, but it's pretty up there. Um, he just croaked at the ripe old age of 89. So, you know, Tinker Taylor Soldier died uh, just a couple of days ago. <laughs> and then we were like, let's cash in on that guy's death and do this book. I'm so sorry I suggested it. Yeah. I I am too. Nate might lose his suggesting privileges. This was, (laughs) holy shit. Oh, don't, all right. Who should read this book? No one. See you next week. Okay, that's it. (laughs) I had previously read The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, and I thought it was, eh, all right. But now John LaCarre is a guy who went into the cold. And I actually would, it actually was like, this one is more famous, and because I haven't read it, it's possible it's better. So let's read this one. Well, for me, this book felt like, uh, for me, this book felt almost interminable. And so I got this beer from Three's Brewing. This is Everything Was Forever Until It Was No More. (laughs) It's an Imperial Stout. And it's 10%. So good luck to me. I'm going to need it because... I don't have much. This is going to help you remember the plot. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's very straightforward, which is not what you expect from Threes or Imperial I mean, Stout. I would expect that from Threes. I mean, they threes do a lot is, of weird stuff, don't they? They do a lot of uncommon styles, but they don't yeah. do a lot of beers where they put a bunch of shit into them. No, yeah, but but the, the uncommon styles sometimes are like this tastes different because I don't I don't know what a well, they'll do like is. a smoked pilsner made in oak fudras. And you're like, okay, that's a lot of different fucking things now. I mean, this thing might have some of that shit, but it might just not say it on the can. But it's a, it's a, little, it's a little smoky, just a little malty. But it's 10%, and it's very drinkable. So I'm going to enjoy it a lot more than almost any minute of this book. <laughs> so we're reading it because John Le Carre died. And, uh, you know, so the book uh, came out in 1974, and it's kind of related to some of the other books, but you don't need to know the rest of them, and frankly, you don't need to know this one. But it is a spy thriller. 
and uh, just he just in a very brutish way he withheld all the thrilling, and <laughs> it's, it's just the story of it's not very George thrilling. Smiley, who is a I get a man who never smiles. Once Middle, in his life. Yeah, every once in a while, he makes a joke, and it's always the narration is like, in a strange, you know, an uncommon turn of, of response for him, he made a joke, and it's a British joke, so the joke is like, ah, uh, I'll take the stairs, and then they all laugh. Like, there's no real humor. <laughs> so, George Smiley is a, um, he's like, he's recently forcibly retired British intelligence officer, I guess. One thing that you'll realize right away reading the book is that it, it in, uses an intense jargon that I'm not really sure if how much of it uh, Le Carre made up or adopted from... They he did work are apparently in real. Yeah. Uh, there's a Wikipedia summary of all the words that are apparently I, real. I only found that about 60% through the book, and man, that would have fucking helped. So how much of it is real or not is kind of hard to say, but John Le Carre really did work for British intelligence from the 1950s and early 1960s and did actually leave after a mole did actually uh, a defector in who was literally next in line to be head of British intelligence was found out to be a double agent. Whoops. His name was Kim Philby, who that might be the most British name wow. ever. Wow. Lord Kim Philby. <laughs> he really did defect to Russia, I think, or he was caught. Actually, I can't remember. No, I think no, he, he defected. defected. And and all the all the basically, you know, all the secrets were out. In part in it the Wikipedia page didn't say specifically, but it said that that was part of the reason that John Le Carre or or David Cornwell really did leave working for intelligence. Though he had just published uh, his third it published, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, really like the year before, and it was a pretty big hit, so that probably also had something to do with it. So he was writing these while working for them. He wrote the first couple of books while working for British intelligence, though this one was 1974, so this was about 10 years later. At this, 10 years at after this he point, left. he was a full-fledged writer, I'm pretty sure. And this is his biggest one, right, at this point? The, the I ones, mean, not at this the, point. The spy who now. came in from the cold was it was pretty successful, but now, I mean, so this book was made into a, a British BBC did a did a series in the late seventies, which you know obviously probably helped it helped the name get out there, and then it was remade into a movie in twenty eleven with a bunch of really big British actors playing all the lead parts, including um, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman as George Smiley. Yeah. And a lot of uh, up-and-coming British guys at the time, like Benedict Cumberbatch, also the most British name, and Tom Hardy in small roles. So the plot is really complicated. Uh, it doesn't help that the it's told in a very strange order because the book is really consists of George Smiley having a bunch of conversations with people. And there's very little action but the conversations he's having are kind of uncovering the mystery or uncovering who in British intelligence is a double agent. There's not very much action. No. Well, that's why we have beer. And because he's finding out different things from different people, it's really not nearly as sort of linear or straightforward as a real, as a real mystery novel or 
the kind of where it's definitely not an action thriller like you know James Bond. Not it at all. It made me feel think of um, the later Sherlock Holmes things, where you know at the end of the book, Sherlock Holmes is like, "It's all here. I could figure this out." And you, as the reader, are like, "No, you cannot. That's impossible." Because that was a bunch of shit. And then, it, oh, fuck, yeah, that one little thing and this thing. Okay, that all adds up. That's how I felt reading this. Like, oh, he has a conversation with a guy, and that guy had a telling nod when he said this. And then you're like, what does that mean? And then it shifts gears wildly, and you get another little thing, and you're like, well, how does this relate to anything? And you kind of forget all of it. Uh, I, I feel like it, it was kind of like a mystery novel. Like, all the pieces were sort of there for us to figure it out, but but not in a way that you would ever connect them. No. Or more like who ended up being the mole. Oh, that was fucking bullshit. Is not something that you really could have figured it out, figured out ahead of time. I don't think so. More like you just had to like get to the end of the book and, and get to the scene where they actually are like, you know, in the house where he, the guy's supposed to meet and is like, that's who showed up. Now, I, I'm, I really don't think you could have figured that out. Anyway, let's talk a, a bit about the plot though we don't have to get into too much detail. So you fir- first thing that kind of had happened just before the book, which you eventually figure out, is that George Smiley is forcibly retired because his boss, who was the person who ran the London Office of British Intelligence, which was called The Circus, this guy's name is Control, but he is an old, pretty, like, washed-up guy, paranoid. And he had... He had essentially... um, Or he had run a, a mission that or he had sent people on a mission that ended up the, getting the British intelligence officer uh, captured and then tortured and interrogated by the Russians. But that was such a sort of like, you know, he was basically, he was basically forced out and new people came in to become the uh, new. Uh, so control was forced out. And then Smiley was also forced out at the same time. And he's been retired for, I want to say six months. It actually wasn't, a huge At amount most of time. a year because when he's in the course of his investigations yeah. of the people, he's like, when did this happen? Like, oh, last year. So it's a few months at most. So it's not a ton, but so you find out like that happened, and that's why Smiley is uh, not currently working, but also why he's going to be the person who's going to be brought back in to find the double agent. You also find out about his wife, Anne. No, I was like, Anne, what's her name again? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Egg. Egg. <laughs> it's like a wall uh, who you don't actually see meet ever in the book maybe at the very end she's but busy. she's away <laughs> because she's basically sleeping with some other guy and she's left him again she's left smiley again and it's everyone knows but everyone everyone he meets says like oh and how's Anne? how's how's Anne doing and he doesn't it answer. becomes really <laughs> funny after a while and they're like that's a great marriage. Like they just say things like not even like no one talks like that. They're just rubbing British it in people his face. probably do. Like, oh, Anne's doing great. I always said that was one of the good marriages. And it's like, oh yeah, she's fucking everyone but me. And then so you kind of like find out that backstory, and then in the second scene, uh, or more like the end of the first scene, somebody who it is currently working in British intelligence. I forget what this character's name was, uh, but it basically he comes to Smiley's Willem house does it, doesn't he? and says, come with me. Who Wasn't is it? it Willem? It's, pro- it's it probably Willem. Willem's like hiding in the house. Like, cause Smiley walks up to the oh, yeah, house and he's like, I don't think anyone broke in. 
this looks like how I left the door. And it's like, God damn it, someone broke in. And then Gwillem's in yeah. there and he's like, let's, hey, old chap, let's have a crumpet and talk about spies. And then they, oh, okay. But you don't know that any, is, you don't know that, that is literally what, what, literally what he said. It was very weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get the story about from this other agent who talks for way too long, whose name is John Ricky Tarr. <laughs> That's the name of the guy who talks way too long. Ricky Tar, who has this whole thing where he told the story about how six months or eight months before that, he was about to basically convince this hot female Soviet agent to defect, but he, by basically seducing her... Because he's that hot, I guess. Yeah, it's many times in his story and in her journal, she's like, "Oh, you big British cock, I need it." Well, Not many times Russian in this book. borscht they give me, whatever. Just turnips. She's just all about fucking him. But many times in this book, uh, pretty much, pretty much every time, the women exist solely to fall in love with the spies or just be enchanted by their manliness. Or they're older women who are badass. Like the, the there's like a scene where they much later they talk to Tar again, and he like kind of smiley a, a, like insults him somehow in the line of questioning. And then there's an old lady who's like sixty, and she fucking pimp slaps Tar. <laughs> she and like and, and it says like uh, smiles like I did. He basically the narration or something. He didn't, he's like, I don't know if she, he got hit, but he must have because his mouth is bleeding now. Like that old lady just beats the shit out of that. Like just, he was cheeky. Pistol whips him. So anyway, this, this character, he says, yeah, I was, so I was, had convinced this Russian to defect to the West and I sent the, you know, coded telegram to, you know, London station and they, I, I got a like nothing response back and then 24 hours later, they had the Soviets had basically beaten and you know beat had like come in and beaten this woman and then took her back to Russia and so the the implication was how did they know I was going to bring in I was going to bring in this agent you know, it's because there must be a mole inside British intelligence but also like part of the complications of this plot is that Tar. He's under suspicion of defecting, and this is his co- this is his explanation of what because he like stayed too long or something. Yeah, and and or more like in when when the thing when the bad thing happened when the Russians you know this woman got like you know found out by the Soviets and then beaten and then you know forcibly brought back to Russia he didn't do the thing that spies in the field are supposed to do, which is go on oh, shucks boss and then come back in and come go back home. He literally left and went underground undercover for months and not even checking in so he's under suspicion of being a double agent himself of being a defector now when you read this part of the book if you don't know what's coming you're like i don't really i don't know where any of this is going (laughs) this is just another man telling a story because at first it was about a boarding school student and then it was about a man trying to sell a book and this is all true these are scenes he really doesn't start with there's a mole, and here's how I know. Yeah. You get this whole long story, and then at the end of the long story, you were like, so I think this means there's a mole. Oh, okay. And it's like 40 pages of just like rambling. Mostly about how this woman wanted to fuck him. And probably mm. and did. Yeah. But speaking of moles, I have a beer for this. 
this might be a bit of a Jimmy connection, but that's okay. So moles give up information like rats do. And what do rats eat? Well, this beer is Everything. called How Much Cheese is Even More Cheese? Because that's what rats <laughs> eat. And uh, this is a sour ale with raspberry, vanilla, graham cracker, graham cracker, cream cheese, and milk sugar. A collaboration between Evil Twin Brewing and Two Tides Brewing. So it's like a cheesecake-esque beer. They literally put it as a cheesecake-style sour, which does not sound... None of those words go together like that. That sounds like a yeast infection. But a cheesecake-style sour, and it's it's really good. I mean, you get... You get you get the uh, raspberry sour, but not too sour. You know, like the way they are now, where it's pretty. It's just like a little tart and mm. a lot of sugar. It doesn't taste like a cheesecake, but it's just delicious. And I was expecting it to be horrific when I heard cheesecake style beer. Those are that's not a thing I thought would ever God would ever let happen. But here we are. It's really quite nice in 2020. <laughs> this is the nail in the coffin for 2020. And here's cheesecake beer. You just can't eat it fast enough so you can drink it now. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're looking for uh, a mole or a rat. But uh, to find this mole, first, they have to spend most of the book talking about something that didn't happen for a long time ago. And then they got to unwind everything for the reader to then tangentially uncover what's going on with the mole. But also the characters. I mean, so I said that I said this to you in the text. The, a lot of the characters. All the characters, they use this intense spy jargon. And in a lot of books, I find it kind of annoying when the first, you know, third of the book is they just go through every, every like term the author wants to use in their world building or every, you know, weird thing you're going to see. So like, oh, now I'm prepared for the story. This book does zero of that. It's just like talking about fucking circus and the mothers and janitors and ferrets and a fucking legend and a male fist. I don't even know what that. Oh god, that's a weird kind of delivery. I, think I have that DVD. Yeah, it's, it's spelled <laughs> a little differently. Male fist. Oh but, right. Yeah. <laughs> and you see, you're like, oh okay. And then it's like you hear all this shit, and like you have, some of you can figure out like honey trap. You know what that is. You know what a mole is. When they talk about sweating someone, but you're like, what the fuck are the mothers? Is this a Frank Zappa thing? Like what? Who? Who are the babysitters? I don't know what's... And and it's never explained. You have to just guess and figure it out from context. They said lamplighters about a thousand times, and I didn't get it until I looked it up afterwards. I still don't... I I only found this... People that, like, do uh, channels of communication or something like that. They provide surveillance. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. That would have... If someone could have just, like, gave me a context clue, maybe. But... uh. But, I mean, it's just... It made it so difficult to know what was going on because of this, and I think and that's also part of what makes this next section yeah. so terribly boring because you don't but even you can't part, even follow it. Part of it also is that it's told kind of out of order. It bounces around it's a cold. lot. It's told very yeah, out of it order. bounces around a lot, and it does so with almost no warning. For me, this book felt like you know the, 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 they say the the big rule of writing is show don't tell and this entire book was just just dudes recounting something that happened a while ago it was just and then what happened well then i did this ah and what color pants was he wearing he was wearing brown pants you know it's just like Fuck. what kind of passport was it oh it was a swiss passport ah shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like oh okay it it was just 
it was the, the least interesting think? ways to. It was like having someone retell. It's like us telling the book to you, but doing it with more details because we can't remember them. Oh fuck! That's kind of what we do. <laughs> <laughs> we just add the detail of beer to it. Yeah, but this was just like it was. It was hard to. It was really hard to understand what was going on a lot of the time because also there were so many fucking characters. I read the beginning. I mean, I want to say probably about 25%. And then I was like, I do not feel like reading this. <laughs> Even though I should be reading it right now. You know what? I have Netflix. I'll see if it's on Netflix. Oh, it is. Okay, great. So then I watched the movie, the 2011 movie. Yeah. And immediately I was like, oh, okay. That's what's happening. Because the movie they did in order. In the, mo- the movie did it much more in like chronological order of the events that happened, yeah. less in the, chrono- in the chronological order of George Smiley's conversations. The very first scene is actually the uh, mission gone bad in Czechoslovakia where the British agent gets c- captured. And then the second, and then it's not until like a little bit later that you get the scene at the school where the random guy is, he's a teacher. He's like, oh, he's just, he's got a, uh, a trailer on about hitched up to his car that he lives in. He's going to go be a teacher, but you know, be, but you know that that's the same actor. So that's the guy who was captured in Czechoslovakia before. Whereas you don't know that because it's the prologue of the book. A guy with the trailer pulls up to a boarding school and he's going to be the new teacher. And people are like, well, that's funny. And a really sad, lonely boy is like, will you be my friend? And that's like the whole prologue and you're like what the fuck is going I, on i here? didn't see the movie i asked you guys like am i reading the right book right now because i thought this was about spies and it's about a lonely child at boarding school and i like, really yeah, spent a lot right. of time I wondering if i had me. to remember if wondering if i had to remember if that fat kid was someone i had to know and i was like okay so there's two characters so far and then they don't show up again for a long time i was like why why a very strange way to start a book and not that important but luckily, that scene is only like 30 seconds. Maybe it's a minute. And then it goes back to the main thing. And so by watching the movie, by pausing the book 25% of the way through, and then watching the whole movie and going, oh, okay, and then reading the book, I had a much better idea of what's going on. So I almost feel like, but I almost still feel like I needed the beginning of the book to understand the movie. You needed some names and shit. And I think you needed, to underst- you needed the movie to understand the book. Like, you really do need both. So I didn't see the movie. Uh, I have no intention of watching the movie at this point. But I didn't realize... I mean, I figured out about 60% through that that dude was the other dude in the... I didn't realize Jim Pritto was alive. I thought he was dead. I thought they kept talking about him like he was dead the whole fucking book. Well, they did think he was dead. Smiley thought he was dead. Or most people thought he was dead because you find out later that Jim with the guy who was killed, you know, he wasn't actually killed in Czechoslovakia. He was captured, but this was... But it just feels like a um, real fucking important detail to leave out of his investigation. They did a trade for him, but then the MI6 told him, you can't come back and be a spy anymore. But we hooked you up with a job just to work at this boarding school, be a French teacher at a boarding school. There you go. You have a life now. I I had the opposite experience. I I knew it was him, like, by the time they're talking about it, I was like, oh, he's just... I thought he was retired. I know he was in hiding. I didn't know they thought he was dead. I thought they kept talking about it. He got shot twice in the shoulder. I was like, okay, well, he got better then. But I, I didn't know they thought he was dead. So I was. They also turned him into a nude. Oh, well, no, yeah, actually, you know, there were magic witch guns. I have a beer for Jim Prudo. We might as well drink it now. 
Yeah. This is called Double Shot. Because he got shot twice in the back. He did. Uh, this is called Double Shot Paragon from uh, Treehouse. And it is an Imperial Stout. They're using Imperial a little, little, uh, little, not right. 8.9%. It's more like a fiefdom. It's, it's, yeah, this is like a, this, this is, this is, this is like an empire, like, you know, uh, Sea land is an empire, you know, like that, that, that like <laughs> abandoned oil derrick that some guys like this is my empire now. Eight point nine percent alcohol stout. It has a whole long sentence here about coffee and uh, and, and it's more about coffee. I don't know. Uh, this is from Treehouse Brewing in uh, Massachusetts. Tastes a little bit like raspberry because I didn't rinse the glass out, but. <laughs> That's kind of an improvement. It's uh, I've had this beer. Uh, this is my second or third can of it I had. It's a really, really nice stout. Uh, I have like a mental block where I think if a, if a stout's below like 10%, like I don't even waste my fucking time with that. Uh, I don't, I'm just like, fuck that. That's garbage. Uh, this is actually, you know, 9% essentially. It's delicious. It's a great beer. Uh, super flavorful. And not overly sugary or overly loaded with crap. To disguise what would be otherwise and just an okay beer, probably. It's pretty nice. And you know what would else be pretty nice? Understanding this book. Or if you head on over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club and support the podcast because these beers are in fact brought to you by the people who uh who are less cheap than you. And uh they are more generous. For as little as one dollar a month, you can vote in our monthly book poll that helps us pick a book. Wasn't this book, but if you wanted to punish us, this is a good one to pick. If if if, if, if us patrons suggest a book, we drop everything and do it. That's we have actually done that yeah, a couple times. We now. have no shame. So yeah, you can mm. vote in our monthly book poll. You get access to our episodes full two weeks early or one or three weeks, depending on <laughs> what happens. Uh, you get exclusive Patreon content. We will send you a sweet sticker. And we will even send you a pint glass and a copy of our read-along book. Right now, we are close to finishing our read-along of Don Quixote, but who knows what the future holds. Head on over there if you're interested in supporting the podcast. And if not, you could also just leave a review wherever you're listening, and that also helps us a tremendous deal. We thank you in advance. So, this whole, like, middle section of the book is a little hazy in my mind, but what you do find out is that all you find out all the people who are running British intelligence, or at least the London station who are running the circus. And they're all the most boring bureaucrats. And this is, I think, really the most important message of the book, that being a spy isn't actually like James Bond at all. He's a clown. Really, being a spy These guys is work at the circus. Boring. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't even That's think not where that clowns go. On purpose. <laughs> They're just the most boring, venal bureaucrats. And that's really what being a spy and is. And the most British that, motherfuckers in the world. So British. Oh. I mean, both... It was, it was true that definitely of American, sort of like when the CIA was first getting started in the late 40s and 50s, that it was all just like this dude's friends from Princeton. And it was just all just Princeton, like Ivy League young Ivy League graduates who thought they were going to go out and fight communism. Turns out they were completely incompetent. <laughs> they all fucking died. Uh, I read this whole... 
I read this whole their, other cover, book they got their spies a couple killed. years ago about the history of the CIA, which is probably this book is probably written about ten years ago now, but of all these declassified stuff from the from like the thirties from the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and and later. But basically the book is called A Legacy of Ashes and is really like a seven hundred page book and it's like every three pa- pages is another like devastating failure. <laughs> Just absolutely <laughs> horrible like incompetence and that the uh, American intelligence was very much had well, like the, the Soviets knew everything. The Soviets knew everything the Americans were doing. Like at this point when at a point in the late forties, I think the CIA had this plan to literally parachute night parachute agents into like the Eastern Bloc countries to like spy on stuff and do stuff. The Soviets knew all knew where everyone was going to land and they were immediately captured and tortured and killed. And like this happened over and over and over again. And that was just like the forties. I mean, I could go on and on about the amazing things in that (laughs) book, but also horrible bureaucrats who drank a lot. Well, so did everyone. That's espionage. Hey, let let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Uh, But... (laughs) These are people with serious drinking problems. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even start a podcast to hide it. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> To make it into a cool hobby. <laughs> but this book focuses on British spies who are a step below that in prestige. <laughs> it is also because this is... So another thing from, from that of the book, before World War II, during World War II, the British had the best intelligence service in the world. By far, and they did, at least for the most part, know what they're doing. But when World War II ended and the British Empire started to break break up, the British they just didn't have the money. I mean they they had their they had their uh, espionage network, spy network set up because they owned like a third of the world, and so they were just operating in so many places. But the, the British they just didn't have the money, they didn't have the resources to maintain that. In sort of like the United States had to kind of step up and build their intelligence service from scratch, and they didn't do it very well. But by the 1970s, the British Empire is in serious decline. What do they still have yeah. by the 70s? They hold on to the I Falklands? Mean, the empire, <laughs> I mean, empire, I'm using empire very loosely at that point by the mid-70s, because there was, like, very little. And the British, you know, intelligence service had been drastically cut, like, drastically, drastically cut, because they just they just couldn't afford it anymore. And but the book also talks about really, I think was I mean it was really kind of like the the decline of the British uh, British economy and really kind of like the moral decline or at least as George Smiley seemed to see it, which makes me think John Le Carre also thought that too. The permissiveness of the sixties, he thought as not so great. I mean, he's a pretty he was a pretty liberal dude. Like he, if you look, like, read some of the things he said about, especially about, like, the Iraq war, especially there. I did read that, yeah. But even in, like, when the fuck did uh, the Salman Rushdie book come out that everyone was mad at him for? Satanic Versus? That was the late 80s? Late 80s. He was like, what the fuck did the guy expect? Like, you can't just say that and expect... Whereas, you know, I, I just feel like he's a little more concerned. He was, he was an interesting guy. He's pretty liberal, but had some strange conservative tendencies. So it's kind of hard, you know, to I think say. He called himself a compassionate conservative. 
I, oh, read, I read on Wikipedia. <laughs> wasn't, yeah. that, wasn't that Bush's thing? Yes. That was Bush's it's thing. It's one of those phrases that doesn't mean That's anything. That's what he campaigned on. Uh, he probably was just, he was probably pretty conservative, but he was probably much more of a realist. He was like, this is a stupid thing to do. Don't do that. Uh, but he also, I mean, you can also see how British intelligence, which is all like Oxford and Eton and sort of the most yeah. rich, snobby guys were all very conservative. At there one was point, a country a club descri- that ran spies. At one yeah. point, a character is country described as guns. having an insufferable Eton drawl. <laughs> I remember that line. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, I don't even know what that is, but that sounds fucking posh. Well, it means all he kept like, saying, person, Eton is not cheating. <laughs> <laughs> and that pers- and the person, especially the character of the, the person currently running the circus, who's Percy Alaline, who was like basically an idiot that nobody liked, but was dying was for like. <laughs> how could yeah. you respect? Just like Weasley. How could you respect a man named Percy? <laughs> a bunch of guys named other stupid British things. Well, they were like George, uh, Gwillem, and but Gwillem, I thought it was. I swore it was Guillaume. Uh, no, that they, it probably is supposed to be, but British people just says, no, we're going to pronounce it our way. There was a, yeah, Peter, Peter Gwillem, and then there's Oliver Lakin and Jim Prudhoe, and then um, fucking Bill Hayden, Bill Hader's dad. And then, <laughs> then there was like Toby Esterhaza. I don't know. How do you pronounce that one? Esterhaus, probably. Esther Hayes? Esther Hayes? Who the fuck knows? He's like a he's like a tertiary character. Even though he's in all the scenes, he's yeah. not important, kind of, or he is, and it doesn't matter. I don't know. <laughs> he's important. It doesn't matter. I honestly but couldn't just tell like you. This guy, this guy Percy, who like he he basically wanted some glory, wanted some recognition, and so this is where you're learning about the different people, and you're trying to figure out where. And um, Smiley is trying to figure out who who's the mole in this guy. Percy is like, well, he clearly like developed the source because we find out all these things. Okay, let me let me go back. So, British intelligence has this amazing source of source of information, which they believe is in fact a mole inside the KGB or inside oh. the head inside the Kremlin. We're talking about Merlin now, and so they're getting that's the so they're getting all this Soviet information. But, and the actual, like, where, but the actual identity of this person and whereabouts, even though they live in a house in London, they're being, you know, they're being, a, a, the British intelligence is actually buying or renting they a house in London for them and pounds. paying all this money. And it's sort of like you, you start to realize that, oh, who would be keen to believe that this is actually a real sort that this is a real source inside Soviet intelligence and that you you eventually over the course of the novel sort of uh, smiley figures out that this person that British intelligence thinks is a Soviet source is in fact a double agent who's being fed so it's being given like some small scraps of Soviet intelligence just to like keep the British you know in they're just like to realize oh there's this is this is good stuff we've got here we've got to keep him but really there's a mole inside british intelligence who's meeting with this guy under the guise of or under the you know pretense of getting information from the soviet guy but he's in fact giving 
Soviet, uh, British information to this, to this guy, to this Soviet guy. But in the meantime, the, the, everybody really likes the, uh, the supposed leak guy named, they've made Merlin, because he gives a lot of good information, which they keep calling treasure or gold. And those are things you would find inside of a loot box. <laughs> this is Loot Box from Killsborough. It's a porter with milk sugar, marshmallow, and peanut butter, and it is 7.6%. Woo! I think the, the Killborough is a way fucking better name than the Circus for the Intelligence Assassinating Group of mm, People. But it, but it would be so, so uh, uncouth. So pedestrian. <laughs> this tastes like fucking peanut butter. In a good way? Yeah. Yeah, kind of like a... Kind of like a beer-flavored Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. That sounds fantastic. It's a little thinner than you'd expect, because it's a porter and not a stout. That's what she said. Um, wait, uh, oh. In her loot box. Uh, uh, that's what it's, your it's, mom it's calls good. it, because it pays the bills, Jimmy. It does, yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> the bills keep coming, much like... No, it's like the Johns. Much like the Johns. <laughs> we didn't even plan that. It's pretty good. It's no here you go. About Luke but Luke box. Brewed with Maris otter flaked oats. Maris otter. That's a type of I, malt. Okay. I was thinking they're gonna list a bunch of hops and like that was the thing, but then I thought it couldn't be a kind of otter. Chocolate malt, crystal sol, special bee malt and milk mm-hmm. sugar. Conditioned on marshmallow and peanut butter. So, so yeah, my, it doesn't taste like fucking marshmallows because that doesn't taste like anything. But Maris Otter is a key. You know, I'm sure you intended this. Maris Otter is the key malt in British style ales. It's, a, oh, it's like staple I British. Style. Absolutely intended that. I didn't. You know, I read. The, <laughs> I definitely read the can before this, and not right now. <laughs> definitely, it's in. It's in. If you get a lot of, you know, British. No, IPA so much more like British stouts and brown ales yeah. and porters. You'll see that. Well, it is fitting. It's uh, it's pretty it's good. Made with real otter. Yeah, I mean, I, I can, I can see them swimming around in there. They're so cute. <laughs> now you're going to drink them. Yes, I am. And much like they drink up all the information that <laughs> Merlin has provided them, and you know they keep these, these group of dudes that take over the circus after control leaves which nate i know you read this mike i don't think you did but every time they say control it got me thinking of um authority the sequel to annihilation oh, i did where the guy that. the guy's oh, name was yeah. control because he was the head of the service you never learned his, i think you finally learned his real name but this one you i never didn't know till about 48 percent through this fucking book that control was one person I thought that was yeah, like the name of the like title. The head, like the, the the head brass. I did not mm. realize that that was a guy. You're like, just like, wow, what an appropriate Frank name! Control, like what the fuck like is this? Doctor Crentis, the dentist. <laughs> like seriously, like was, I just did not. I, I was trying to figure it out. I, mean, I don't know I why guess, they didn't. I don't know why Percy didn't become control though. I never got that. Maybe it's just because it's all from Smiley's perspective, and you know, Percy is merely an interloping fuck. 
And they but, hate his balls. Yeah, but Control was a dude. But they also didn't really like, like Control. He was just, uh, he was, he Smiley was did. Smiley, Smiley, I think Smiley did. And Operation Testify, where the guy got shot, went down, and they both got canned because of that. And I think Smiley felt like con- it wasn't Control's fault. And now that he's seen that there's a mole, ah, obviously he was set up to get control out to fuck him, much in the way that Britain and fucked you, the Earth. And you also, and you find out that this was all the master plan of this, of the head guy of Soviet intelligence, Carla, whose codename is <laughs> Carla. She sounds hot. <laughs> it's with a K though, so it's scary. So it hates black people. Yeah. That's Carla. Carla. <laughs> so when we meet Carla, I was another part of the book. I was like, "What the fuck has happened? Where are we going here?" So you you get this other flashback kind of interview scene. You know, that's how they all gonna go, right? Uh, Smiley finds a person and is like, "Hey," and then he asks him like in a very British way, "Tell me something about this." And then, but it comes out as like, "I like one lump of sugar." And then they go and they meander into a flashback. And then he they spill everything to George Smiley because he's the best interrogator. And you learn about Carla, and and they're like, uh, "Let me let me tell you about Carla. Let's take it back to like nineteen oh three, and let's start there." And you just go through the whole fucking dude's life and how George Smiley met him in New Delhi to try to flip him, and the guy stole his lighter. <laughs> yeah. What? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the guy never They know spoke. a startling amount about this guy despite knowing nothing about him now. They know like they every knew, minute of knew, his life. They knew negative information before. Like they yeah. filled in those gaps and like now we know nothing. Okay, good. Like the man has now never we been on a radio <laughs> since 1955 because then people will know his voice and he has to keep that even a secret because he's that fucking good. And sometimes he uses so, the name like Gerstmann or something like that and it's the fake name and Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, David what? Cornwell's real job with MI5, interrogator. He actually was, in the 1950s, interrogating defectors. That's actually what he did. Hmm. Do you think they used uh, enhanced interrogation techniques, or did they just fuck people up? <laughs> what, how did they, what, what did they, do they, they have euphemisms for it? Are they like, we're just getting what we need to know? Fisticuffs. I think they're just... Talk to people. Just ask them a lot of questions. Uh, I think. Do you like pina coladas? Actually, you really develop a relationship. Really, what interrogate good interrogators do? I mean, it takes a lot of time. Is you develop a relationship, and you get them to just tell you. That's actually how to do it. If this book is anything to you know <laughs> to discuss the realism of it, I think they just make you so bored. You you just tell them everything so that you'll be allowed to kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Please. It's like, please, officer. I'll tell you anything. Just give me a scaffold. (laughs) Hello, my name is Basil Chiffinpoot IV, and I'd like to talk to you about your defection. Like, oh, God, uh, tell you whatever you want, dude. Just stop. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe that's that's why John le Carré was successful at it. He just bored them to fucking tears. Like, no, he wasn't successful at it. No, bring the waterboarding back. (laughs) Anything but him. He's like getting like waterboarded by dry British words. And honestly, it's, it's worse. T-boarding. 
<laughs> Would you like another cuppa? Oh God, please, anything but this. Just uh, give me the helmet with a rat in it. Anything but you. <laughs> I don't care about the rules of cricket, sir. <laughs> no one does. Cricket does come up at one point in this book. Of course it does. <laughs> it it's does. a British book. Ta- they are legally obligated to talk about cricket. Oh, my God. When he, when he meets another random guy. So here's a criticism I have of the book amongst the, oh, just one? a few others. <laughs> This feels like British Stephen King to me. That, you know, you know how like Stephen King books, he can't just be like, oh, and then there was old Jim the bus driver. It's like old Jim the bus driver who was born back in 37 and used to. Has to give you three yeah, chapters. Like, and, about, then you're like, and you're like, I don't yeah. fucking Jim. care about what, <laughs> what fucking hand he uses to hold his dick when he pees Stephen King. Like, you're fucking weird to tell me this information. But he like does the whole, every the whole thing time. about Bill Roach, who you expect Bill Roach will be a big character, and it turns out he is nothing at all. But every character, you're like, oh, do I have to fucking remember this guy too? And almost always, it's no, you don't. So at one point, uh, Smiley goes to a bar and it's like, oh, there's fucking, it's like Jerry, Gerald, is that the guy's name? I don't fucking Gerald know. was the code name for the spy. It wasn't Gerald then. Uh, the mole. No. The mole. They're all spies. He's yeah. like, we don't know who the mole is, so we'll call him Gerald. Even though it's narrowed down to like four people. Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, or Spy. But, you know. Jerry Westerby. Jerry Westerby. Who is okay. that guy? Yeah, exactly. Know. Who the fuck is that guy? He's nobody. He's some guy. And then like, oh, Jerry Westerby. He met him at a bar and like smiley pretended it was an accident. Like, okay, cool. That's fine. And then Jerry Westerby. And then just a whole paragraph about how Jerry Westerby... Has the has like the physicality and the stooped hunch of a former wicket keeper, and he is you know like his arms are like, all uh-huh. muscle. That's a reference I understand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Is that like is that a is that a uh, a Quidditch position? It basically is Quidditch. <laughs> Quidditch is basically flying cricket, which is the only way to make it more ridiculous. <laughs> And you're like, do I need to give a shit about this guy and the fact that he played cricket and he, and of course you don't, of course you don't have to care about that. He's gone in five minutes, but that felt like Stephen King, like the worst things about Stephen King books that I don't like where you're like, oh, let me hear about well, this see, guy's what, life. What you didn't get was that that was a metaphor. Jerry <laughs> Westerby is a person who represents England and the West, whereas to- Toby... Esther House Toby, works yeah. with the works with the East. Esther East House. Ah, ah. Just kidding. It's all bullshit. It's dumb. <laughs> but maybe I'm right. Probably not. I hope, I hope you are. <laughs> I really do. And control is an appropriate name because he wasn't in control. Oh, oh, much like the British Empire. Oh shh. Oh my god. <laughs> now we now I actually think we're onto something. Like Bukaki, it's all come full circle. <laughs> oh no oh god <laughs> thank you uh, so they smiley figures it out by convincing <coughs> toby that listen we're gonna fucking kill you if you don't tell us are you the mole okay tell us tell us who goes to meet the, the witchcraft the or merlin the the special the special agent 
And they tell him. And so then Smiley and Peter Gwillem figure out, like, they go to the house and they're well, like, oh, who, they're there to meet, this here? They're there and to they, meet the guy who then himself reports to Merlin. He's like, yeah. you know, everyone's six layers removed because spies. And he's a guy who's the cultural so attache. They ever, all they ever do is make phone calls and send telegraphs. <laughs> like, oh, all right. That's, yeah. Yeah. But everyone's a spy. So anyway, <laughs> Smiley, like, figures out, like, where the house is. And so they go there to, like, f- to, like, go in and listen when the, whatever, the British person comes to, like, get the information from Merlin. But they know it's actually, whoever that is, is actually going to be the one passing along. Sir uh, British information and instead. Like, oh. And it turns out it's. Bill Hayden. Who is a... Oh, man. He's been fucking George Smiley's wife. Yeah. And they went about... Oh. About... Maybe they could go about yeah. two pages without talking about how that guy wasn't fucking George's wife the whole time. Yeah, the guy was fucking his wife. I have a beer for this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> N- not for the fucking George Smiley's oh, wife Oh, part. man. Bummer. <laughs> Just I so can drink more double called... shot. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes. This is called Trifling Bitch. This is called Jam Up... Boysenberry Blackberry by... He jammed her up, all right. Collective yeah. Arts. He <laughs> did jam her up. Jammed it right up her. <laughs> That's the connection. <laughs> Remember that scene in Family Guy she, with the British people having sex? She turned that boysenberry into a manzenberry. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is that um, uh, Smiley is going to jam up the spy operations and double agent. Uh, this is a... Uh, this is a dry hopped sour, obviously with boysenberry and blackberry. Uh, and it's fine. I really think it did need to be hopped, or at least not so much. Like, really, sour with boysenberry, blackberry? That sounds fucking delicious. It really doesn't need the extra bitterness that goes with it. Just kind of doesn't. But it's still okay. Do you remember the uh, scene from Family Guy with the British porn? Or it's like British people having sex and just oh, yeah. almost, almost. There we go. There we are. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well done. That's what this whole book was like. Except, except at the end, I didn't even say well done. <laughs> like, it oh. is done. Well, as my, my, I think the working title for, uh, I was trying to come up with a synonym, like a word that sounded like each one. So I had stinker, failure, orger, and why. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's. That's my review on Goodreads for this book. As it was, it was oof. It was um, brutal. Yeah. Oh, so what happens to Bill Hayden? Let's just get through that, and then we get, then we get shit on it. A hundred like unfettered. So uh, he gets gets like basically arrested. You know, he gets caught, and then he is sounds like he's going to be traded to Russia with some spy swap that they're going to you know because he was a double agent this whole time. He's gonna trade him in the Russia. Was gonna but he like also does one of trade the... somebody for somebody. But they have a, he has a conversation with Smiley, and then they get Perdoe to shoot him in the head. But didn't he give before that? He gave like one of those like Scooby Doo type speeches, like, "Well, this is how it all happened." Like, kind of like of decades course. ago, I was flip, flipped by Carla, and you're like, "Oh fuck, I was supposed to remember that one." And then. And now I've been a spy for decades, and it's because I was angry about the fucking Suez Canal. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> naturally. Fucking, I'm st- still reeling. But then 
But they, do they actually say Jim Prado? Like I was, I had to look it up after the fact, and it was like it's, it's implied. At. But in the movie, it's very explicit. Well, yeah, because the movie hopefully yeah. fixed all of this. Yeah, it told it in order and showed us things happening as opposed to saying, "Tell me what happened." Here's what happened, Britishly. It also I fell asleep con- reading and watching this movie, though. It was kind of confusing. Uh, some passages with like the the flashbacky passages, which is most of them, that it would kind of there'd be a bunch of people in a room and someone start telling a story, and then you go into like the flashback of that guy or his story or her story or whatever, and then it comes back into the room and you're like, wait, what the fuck? Is this still the flashback? Like, what? Why is that person here now? Like, it was confusing to me a lot of these yeah, scenes. Absolutely, it was like a Cormac McCarthy where there's like no break. And yeah. people talking and people doing. And it was, it was super confusing at times. And sometimes someone would speak and you thought, was that person here this whole time? What the fuck? <laughs> someone would interject something and you were like, who? He's here? Is this the problem? Because then you're, then you're double not sure. Is it the flashback or the real thing? Also, some characters, I didn't know their first and last name. So... Mm. Like, also, a few had aliases Oliver, they like, referred to. Oliver? Like, sometimes there was more than one name per person. They talked about, like, someone under their spy name or their cover name, and it was just like... Their legend? Who? What the fuck? God damn it. Or their working name or something like that? Or, that, or their work name? Street name. Your street name is your hoe name. Yes. And they I were mean, all I'm hoes. For show. Yeah. But then it ends, and this is the, you know the end of the book they got the guy who did it and smile it becomes the temporary boss because turns out all the guys given secrets they thought they were given bullshit and getting good stuff turns out they were giving away all the good stuff and everything they got was bullshit and they were all just getting just getting reamed by russia like smiley's wife yeah and you know she never comes back uh even though she doesn't come back come right on her end. back. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and the most British thing he could possibly do, he asks Bill if he'd have, if he has a nice message you'd like to give him f- to Anne. He's like, you were fucking my wife for a while. Now that you're going to go back to Russia. Do you want me to tell her anything for you? And I was like, Hey, see you later. He's like, mm, yes, indeed. Good. Job, 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 blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I hate every one of this book. I hate all of them. And then the book ends. And this is the first of a trilogy and if we have to read the other two, I will probably just kill myself. There's like, apparently a lot of the characters are in various other books. Like, it's like a universe. Kind of, yeah. A, like, oh, well, I don't want to read any of them. They're so all I, interchangeable. One guy's name is Bland. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's that Roy, Roy Bland, right? Roy Bland. Roy Bland. And Larry Boring. Frank, go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> terrible. I I was I knew this was the famous book, and I was like, all right, well, at least I could check this off of the uh, you know thousand and one books you have to read before you die list. Motherfucker has two more books on there. I don't I don't want to read them. Uh, the thousand books to die. He's got two three? more. So I have a list where it's like, because every time they, they put out like a new edition of that book every two or three years, and they take shit off and put new stuff on. So it's more like, at this point, like the 1,400 books you have to read before you die, if you were to go through all the versions. Mm. But between them, there are three books by this guy. 
And this is one. The other one is the the spy who came in from the cold. And the other one's called Smiley's People, which sounds like the sitcom spinoff of this. (laughs) That's, I think, the last one of this trilogy. So you have to read the first and the the last, but not the middle? (laughs) I mean, honestly, it wouldn't be any less confusing anyway, probably. Oh, fuck me. I'm, I, those will be the, that'll be the 1,000th and 1,001st books that I fucking read of this list. Not even. Not even. Nate, what do you think? So I actually didn't hate it as much as you guys did. I gave it three stars. I didn't hate it. I just... I just it, 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 it got was, better as it went along as I understood more. I'll say that. I think, like I said, from watching the movie after reading the beginning, it really did help a lot. You know, it's like a Shakespeare play. You have to, like, find out what happens in the plot before you watch it or read it. Because if you don't, it's almost impossible to follow. And then then it got a little bit better. But still, there's no, there's very little action. It's almost entirely just conversations to figure out what happened a while ago. And it's not like a regular detective novel where there's, like... It clearly identified, like, I need this bit of information, and now I'm going to go find it. It's just kind of like a series of conversations, and then eventually you realize that Smiley has put it all together, and here's what's really happening. I mean, one thing we made fun of, um, the, the fucking riverboat murder mystery. What Death was that called again? Nile. Death in the Nile 4 is that... There was like a sidekick character whose job was clearly just to recap everything at the end of every chapter. We're just like, so oh, yeah. I guess we just found out that blah and blah, like this happened and then this happened and then this person did this. This book really would have benefited. I mean, it also would have been even longer and more boring, but you know, might have benefited from that. A man named Clifford Notes. <laughs> 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 Clifford notes. <laughs> Gotta remember that. Ernst summary. <laughs> um, it, it, if it had been written in a way where it was a more more clear, like this is the information we're looking for. Now let's. Now I'm going to interview this person and try and get it out of them, so that there's actual like stakes to the conversation mm. that you know going in into the scene, like. And that's like the tension, but this book, it just wasn't written that way. No. It was just a series of stories, and then eventually, near the end, Smiley puts it together. Yeah. No, I, I think if, if this book were written today, it would be a very different thing. But thinking about, like, should anyone read it today? The idea that, and, and this applies to Shakespeare too, I suppose, but the idea of you should go watch the movie of it and then read the book, that's not a really good endorsement for the book. <laughs> it's just saying this book... No. You're saying this book sucks. And the movie's not that great, so it's really not that not much of an endorsement Because what you're... Book. Yeah, if, if one, were, one were to say that, it would be saying, this book is terrible, watch the movie, then you could at least understand why it's terrible. Or like how, how it's not great. And I, what I don't understand is... The movie came out in 2011. The book came out in 74. So you're at 30, 36 years. This was a huge book. What the fuck were other people doing all that time? Like, I'm just going to buy this book and wait for a movie. Well, they made wait a, for- Brit- they, uh, Nate said they made a British the- BBC miniseries. It's like seven episodes back in the day. All I'm picturing is that they did it the same level of 
quality as the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy miniseries. Well, this doesn't require any special effects because nothing special happens. It just barely requires effects. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, maybe, but like even so, like, oh, I'll buy this. People like this book for the book. That's the question I had in my head the whole time. Like, why yeah. would you, why was this popular? I have one I, idea, but I'm curious what you guys think. I gave this book a rare one-star review for me. I normally reserve that for Twilight and Fifty Shades. But I don't think you even gave you think you give Jingle Buns more than one star. That was a good book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I could have I could have easily given it two, but I was feeling angry that I had to do this. And so I gave it one because to me it just felt like the story itself is interesting. It's an interesting story. And the idea that they were getting fucked the whole time and it was a, like a triple play, that's cool. I get that. But the way it was executed was pretty much the absolute worst it could have been done. And I was just upset that it was just so squandered. Like, it was, you know, he just, he's not a clunky writer. The sentences are good and he can obviously know how to write a book in terms of sentence structure, but it was fucking opaque to even know what was going on sometimes. Unless you, I guess maybe I'm just a dumb American and like spy thrillers need to have more action. I don't know, but this was just sense and sensibility and spies. It was a (laughs) bunch of fucking British tarts Talking in houses, Moles comparing Moles. education, and at the end, it's over. And it's just like, what? It's just a bunch of boring conversations. And there, I've, I've seen movies that are just, you know, interesting conversations, and they're fine. And I've read books that are similar like that, and they're fine. But for some reason, this was just like, come on, dude. No. No, fuck you. I don't like this. And I don't. I, I guess I could get why some people like it, but I hated it. I hate this book. And I was angry that I had to read it for most of it. And that was what kept me awake 70% of the time. The other 30% of the time, I was asleep. So it took me longer to read. Wow. Uh, It was just, it was too difficult to follow. And it didn't have to be. It didn't have to be this way. I agree. It was was boring and dull and just, confusing but i was trying why why in 1974 this be a big book and i the only thing i think of it is the cold war right this was a big thing on people's minds and to to even to have a glimpse even if it's kind of boring uh and there's no porn hub yet to see how (laughs) international spying worked and to have some sense of what was going on and the the high level defector was still a pretty fresh well well I mean it happened like ten years before but it is still something people in 1974 probably knew about and people were probably worried about it. he's just the first of many kind of thing you know how many other ones are there how many other leaks are there because information there certainly were other fucking spies and people giving away information haphazardly or purposely whatever. That's a, that was an interesting thing. Like this was like the peak of the Cold War. This was the peak of when the concept of spies was cool. 
Like they were a real thing, and they, as they said in the movie, I don't know if they said it in the book, but like they were the front line in the Cold War. Like there wasn't an actual war happening, and it was all about this shit. And to them, that was like, wow, I wonder how that works. It's all secret. And so that I could understand, like people getting into that and this being their only semi realistic view into how that world works. Whereas nowadays we are kind of jaded, just be like, uh, what spies? What the fuck is this? The Cold War? That's not a thing. Who cares? Yeah. And again, there wasn't that much other entertainment that, I mean, there's seven channels of television. <laughs> Or, it, you know... BBC probably has one. It might have been up to BBC two at this point. I don't know. Mm. But... I think that's technically think, a gangbang. I, I think... The, I think the... <laughs> <laughs> I think... I see what you did there. I think the reading public had a different stamina level than today. Uh, I mean, we've read longer books and more intricate books... This was a fucking complicated plot, dude. But we were, we got through Middlesex, and that had a billion characters. It spanned decades. It was twice as long, if not more, and it was but way easier, way to follow. easier to follow. Book. This was we we got plenty of stamina. That's what I tell my wife every time. <laughs> you loved all three <laughs> minutes of it. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Uh, three. Okay. Uh, but you did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> cried twice yeah of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i mean for average people i mean i've read the other good reviews good read reviews on this and this is considered one of the best spy books of all time well then Granted, Tom i haven't Clancy read a lot must of have fucking sucked <laughs> well more accurate spy books that might be what they're talking about i mean just to give it the best chance possible it's probably the most accurate yeah no and it is it is fine that that, but you know, you don't want to. If this is accurate, it's an interesting view at it. But, and it was, it was a good, honestly, it was a good story. But the way it was written was stupid. It was unnecessarily stupid. And it made it, it there's no reason it had to be written this way. It makes no real sense. Like, I'm going to write an interesting story, but I'm going to have it told through a series of talks that a guy has in random rooms, and then well, people will tell him what happened, which sometimes works. Well, that's sometimes probably doesn't. how it would... That's how it would have gone. That's probably how it would have fi- been figured yeah, out. I, like, that is really what this real spy work would have been. I think he was been. going for verity more than entertainment, in some senses, you know? Verisimilitude. Ooh. Oh. Oof, that's a big British word. Fucking put, a $10 put word. that thesaurus down, Nate, before you hurt yourself. Roger for days. <laughs> what? Roger's is the fucking thesaurus. That's the. Oh, I don't know the name of the thesaurus. Or I don't know that word. Maybe if there's a way that <laughs> I You don't know a synonym out. for thesaurus? <laughs> <laughs> is there just like there's some kind of book that I could have? I don't know. Listen, I hear you. It's terribly boring and confusing. And frustrating. However, I also understand what Nate's saying, or I think what Nate's saying, in that it's describing what it was probably like. Yeah, I get that. And then at the time when this came out, people were hungry for this kind of shit. 
So I get why it was popular then. I do. I just don't get why anyone would want to fucking read it now. That's something I don't, I guess I should say, I should clarify. I mean, am I, am I mis- misrepresenting anybody? I mean, correct me if I am. No, I hate it now and then. I, you made your point clear, Jimmy. <laughs> and Nate, I, 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 thought, I think that's what, you're, what I got from what you're saying. I, I was wondering the whole time if it would be better if I had ran, read all of the other books. Oh, what God, other books? Yeah. All, all the other, like all, all John Le Carre's other books before this. You know, if it was a series and if I had started with book one and then book two and then book three and just gone all the way through like a series is supposed to go. Do the other ones before this, are they a series? You see, okay, I found I they're actually kind of not. But what I was thinking before I knew that was, oh, this is book like this must be a book like twenty two in a series, mm. and I'm just like, you know, that's why I don't know what the fuck is going on or what all these words mean or who these characters are. No, it's kind of like, especially in the beginning, talking about control and seems and you know he meets the woman who is like oh you know the old circus back during the glory days he's like it was a war anyway uh i thought i thought it would have been a little bit more like a detective novel series where he's just kind of like or a spy thriller series turns out it's not although this was then no so he wrote the spy who came in from the cold in 63 and then 64 he wrote a, a follow up to that and then this is his next book, oh, an entire decade later. It so, took him a while to figure it out. I don't know. Maybe. I think, I think yeah. So he maybe had a it would. Other books in that actually, but there. Maybe he had books in some. between, but this is his next. The spy who book came about in from Smiley. the lukewarm. <laughs> spy who came in from the summer. I thought maybe reading other books first would have made this one more intelligible, but that's not necessarily true. I don't think it would have. This is this is actually part of a trilogy, but this is the first one. I mean, maybe there'll be some characters in other ones, but I don't well, know if it would help I, you understand. I, this isn't the first time. This isn't the first book about George Smiley. There's like ten George Smiley books. This is like the fifth. In wow. the Smiley came from the cold is like third. There's a, or they're related in some way, like George Smiley or characters, in the universe, kind of thing. You know. Like the first one, Call for the Dead is nine. Then there's a murder of quality. Then his third book is the Spy Who Came in from the Cold. But those other two books were late. Like Gwillem's in one of them, and fucking Control is in one of them, or something like that. And Gwillem's like a tertiary character in this. I mean, he's in it a bunch, but he doesn't serve much purpose except like ferry George around and help him out. It's and like also, he might have. He, uh, like he, he was the one that was also banging Bill Hayden because Bill Hayden was a evil bisexual who banged men, women, and had no morals and just hated the West. I missed that. You missed that. That was a huge part of it. That Bill Hayden fucked men and women. I was In, skimming hard. Yeah, the so quarter, I'm not gonna lie. That actually, Predo and Hayden. Predo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Though yeah. in the movie there was a distinct scene. In the movie, in movie it made it made Willem gay. But all, I think it was also Prideaux because they had that picture of them together. Yeah, I think it was also so Bill Prideaux, Hayden yeah. was fucking literally mm-hmm. everyone and England. All right, but I gotta yeah. go read back the in last England, fifth of the book. I fucking missed and something. England. My... You know they they talked about it a lot, like how he was like he would bring some girl that would you know his latest floozy to talk to Anne while he and George hung out, and one time he bring a nice boy. Oh, I do remember this. Yeah. yeah. He had fuckboys. I just kind of 
was like, no, I don't Bill know. Bill Hayden's took his dick in everything. <laughs> Though he did say at the end that he only ever banged Anne so, because Carla told him to, so that uh, George would never be able to like keep his, keep it like a so straight image. So that George would have a literally. clouded perception. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And then, you know, stuff like that, you know, these individual elements are interesting and they would be good. It's just that this was such a shit job of putting it together. It was just not right. Had it been written in a, a more understandable way, it would have been much better. And there was really no reason for it to be this way. Like, even if he'd kept in all the jargon that didn't make any sense, he still would have gotten it. But the jumping around out of order shit, uh, it's, it's hard. It's fucking hard. Well, maybe that was a way to make it interesting for murder mystery. A way to make it interesting would be to like just make it so that you could fucking follow it. (laughs) A way to make it interesting would be to do whatever he didn't do here. Yeah. But (laughs) yeah. But I I don't know. I I really have no interest in reading any more of his books. There's a lot to shit on here, but there's a lot that's interesting. It's just a mess for me. You know, like there's Yeah, definitely. It's just cool stuff, cool ideas, poorly executed, which is what you're saying, I suppose, right? And, I uh, thought it was a good idea and a good story, but as if someone with incredible ADHD was trying to tell you the story. And it's like, I don't know what you're trying to tell me. I don't need, I don't need to hear it this way. So the movie was better because it told it at least in order. And there's, if it was just the out of order thing, it'd be one thing, but it was just out of order. It was all the jargon. It was all the... Just random aside, like constant breaks in a smiley thinking about his wife or like some guy he once knew and saw on a bus or some shit. And just like, why is this? Is this important? Is this another flashback I need to know for the for the spy shit? No, it's not. Okay, what? Why? And it was. It just made it really hard to even know what was going. I had to read the Wikipedia summary every you know, quarter of the book just to make sure I knew what was going on. And this wasn't a fucking translation. It's in English. I mean, yeah, I did that for war and peace. Yeah, absolutely. I did for that. And this is much less than that. But, and yet it was, it was just, it was hard to know what the fuck was even happening sometimes. Who should read it then? I don't know. Well, it's a good question. I mean, sort of no one. But also, (laughs) if you really read John but also Le Carre's other no books, <laughs> but other books, or if you're for some reason interested about how espionage really worked in the 60s and 70s, rather than the James Bond version, maybe, but then again, I don't if know. If you want to read about history's most interesting events from the perspective of the payroll department, then this is the book for you. <laughs> it's like an audit on spying. Yeah. It's like, it's like we want to know the story, but we want to know how it happens behind the scenes of people who were involved later on. Ah, yes. That's the one. That's the way you'll really get into the heart of the matter. It's Donnelly. like reading an anthropological paper on spying. Yeah, it kind of is. It is. It's ah. like witness accounts. It's just like, fuck me. 
I think I honestly as the the more in the first thirty percent of the book, I hated it with intense vitriol. But as it the the more I got through and I understood, it's like okay, this is fine. I never ended up liking the book, but it's okay. I don't think anyone needs to read it, like Nate said, unless you're really into the spy genre. If you've read a bunch of Le Carre stuff and you've never read this one, I would be amazed. Because I feel like if you were getting into his stuff, this would be like the first or second at best that you would go for. So I'm pretty sure that I read, well, I know I read The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, and I give that three stars. And then I must have started this one because when I was reading it this week, I was like, this is so familiar. But yet, did I did I read it? No. So I probably, I must have started it, but was like, what the fuck is going on? And then stopped reading. <laughs> so without being forced to, probably. you wouldn't read this. Pretty much, yeah. That's, that's about right, yeah. That's true for most books, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we read some dumb stuff that that's not was true. like, okay, I read that and I'm done. This one was just, I don't know. I don't know why I felt worse about this one than some of the other shit we've had to read, but I hated this. And honestly, it, was, it wasn't as bad as some of the, some other stuff. I think I was just upset that he fucked it up so bad. For me. I, I don't think it's that terrible, but I don't think anyone needs to read it. The movie's fine. If you're interested, give it a shot. And if you get past like the first 15%, good for you. Skip <laughs> the you prologue. Up, Skip the prologue and just go to the beginning because it's just going to make it worse. And it doesn't matter later. It doesn't matter. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. And uh, follow us on Twitter at DrunkGuysBC. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at DrunkGuysBookClub. And if you've listened this long, don't wait till you have to, you know, do a dead job with information for your mole in the KGB. Just leave us a review wherever you're listening and round it to five stars. One for each, uh, each time in this book you wish you weren't reading this book. I can't give it that many stars. But you can give us more <laughs> than stars at Patreon where you can give us money. Even better than stars. Yeah. Well, you know, it depends on what you're into. You can also follow us on Goodreads, where you can see what we think of books in a much more tangentially numbered system than we give here. Check it out. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. <laughs>